This is Efficiency On Demand. On Demand. High Performance. Leadership. People think overwhelm, craziness, craziness. No time. No time. No fun. No fun. Just work, 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 work. It's time to slow down, to speed up. You owe more to yourself. This is Efficiency on Demand with Monique. Monique is a high-performance and leadership specialist. During the show, Monique and her guests will share the harsh truth behind their success stories, what it means to perform on a high level, and to be a leader in this world. It's time to take control of your time and live life limitless. This is Efficiency on Demand, and this is your host, Monique. Welcome back to another episode of Efficiency on Demand. Today I have another guest from Singapore. I'm super excited to have him on. I got connected to him through Imi again, right? Was it Imi? Ah, yeah, yeah, it's Imi. Yeah, one of my good friends. Imi is just, you know, Imi is amazing. He just connected me with so many amazing people on the podcast, and. So he is a, I would want to say, content creator, and he has an amazing story that we're going to talk about and dive in. His name is Lenny Leong, and I'm really happy to have you on the show. Thank you so much for taking the time, and welcome. No, thank you so much for taking the time for conducting the podcast. I'm honored to be on your podcast, and I'm happy to share, you know, any content or info about myself, I mean, my story, my journey, and yeah, with everyone else. So. Hopefully, this can impact or help someone out. Yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you. First of all, before we get started, I ask my guests who you are and what do you do? So for me, I would say that I come from Singapore. It's a small country. So some not, not everybody knows uh, where is this place. When I went to US, people are like, where is this small country or small town? Okay, anyway, fast forward is that uh, I'm 23 years old this year. So for me personally, I run an advertising agency. That agency is called Get Customers. Literally, Get Customers. That is my agency name. I actually got inspired and I just started our Facebook page and I told myself that is going to be my company's name. And from there on, before starting the advertising agency, actually I started a few other businesses. I started all the way from like cooking academy, cooking studio, and eventually woke up to even opening up a physiotherapy business. But some of them didn't uh, work out, but then I just keep on going and keep on going and see how things were turn out to be. Because from young, right, I have always had this passion to, you know, do my own venture. I, 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 I don't want to work for someone else. Like I, I, I told myself when I was 12 that I'm going to work for myself, mainly because of uh, inspiration from books, like for example, Rich That Poor That. So some of the listeners here might have... Uh, uh, read Rich Depot that I think it's one of the books that really really gave me impact and a different perspective on on finance and that's why I told myself that you know sales is going to be important marketing is going to be important because they are high income skill sets and that's what I incorporate in my business until today I love that so tell us a little bit about where are you coming from, you said, and I think you're right, people who don't travel much or maybe they don't travel too much to the Asian part of the world. You're from Singapore, so how was it growing up in Singapore? How did you get the exposure to the online entrepreneurship world? 
and how well, do you get started? Well, growing up in Singapore is uh, I I wouldn't say we are a very conservative society. I would say that we are pretty much on the middle line. Mm-hmm. So we are a bit conservative, while you know, we are a bit open to the Western culture. I think that that's good because um, I wasn't really exposed to you know the internet until I was like when I was thirteen or fourteen. So pretty much my life before fourteen years old was all very mild, was all very chill without internet. And then you know the iPhone three G came out, and that was the thing that really sparked my growth. Like I went like, oh my god, this is the internet. Like there are so many things that I can explore. I started uh, watching a lot of YouTube. I started uh, watching a lot of stuff. And that's when a lot of ideas started to come in. And I told myself, like, what if, right, the idea of, you know, making money through internet, for example, that's just a fanciful idea. Then I would, like, run up to my parents and say, hey, mom, hey, dad, what if I can make money from internet? I mean, that, that would be awesome, right? Like, I don't have to go out and, you know, work anymore. Because I used to work at my mom's uh, restaurant mm-hmm. as a waiter. And I was earning about seven Sing dollars. That's about... Five USD per hour, and I told myself that instead of working as a manual labor, what if I can make the same amount on the internet itself? So I really tried to figure out. I was Google. I went to Google. I was trying out pay per click website. I was coding servers, doing all sorts of way. Uh, when I was like fourteen, to try to make my first buck online, and I did. I made like a couple of bucks. I made like ten bucks, and that that kind of sparked my interest. It's, it's really a lot of passion. I would say. I love that. So, for the people who may not know a lot about Singapore, can you share a little bit, like, what's the society and the people look like in Singapore? Is it like, I believe, if people have not been to Singapore or they don't even know where it is, they might, they may not know what Singaporean people are like. What's the heritage of Singaporean people? Mm. So, can you share a little bit of the history of Singapore and? Why Singapore is actually, and I love that about Singapore, why they're now so um, progressive in technology and in what the city and the country looks like in, you know, in their laws and how they, how they built out the whole country. I would say that Singapore is, uh, is getting better. I would say in terms of the culture, we are uh, getting more open. We are, we are like, like what I say, we are very, getting more progressive in our technology. I think right now at the industry, so I've traveled to at least, I think, uh, nine different countries. Uh, last year, I've been to Europe, I've been to US, and I would say sorry about that. I still love uh, my home, Singapore. Yeah, and the reason why, I'm not super well traveled yet, but the reason why I think is that the, our society is very tolerant. Mm-hmm. We are tolerant to any races, even if you are uh, from different race, we are tolerant. Uh, we accept your culture, we accept who you are. And one thing that I will say that uh, Singapore is different, I think number one is food. Of course, when you come to Singapore, the food is definitely the go-to place. And everybody just loves the, the food, I will say. And I think that's about it. As for the people here, we are, like I said, half conservative and half open. I would say we are still quite Asian cultured but we are pretty open. So like some of my uh, clients from the States, right? They actually told me that we are like the Asians in New York. Yeah. Kind of a description. Then I was like, oh, okay, that's interesting description. Then he would describe us as hardworking uh, people who will do what we can to get the results, for example. And that's how he describes Singaporeans. Yeah. 
Yeah, I love that. And just to go back to like the the mix of Singaporean people, as far as I know, the biggest part of Singaporean people is made of Malays, Chinese and Indian. Is that correct? Wow, you are good at it. You understand. Yeah, you know, yeah, that's uh, we are made up of Indian, Chinese, Malay and no, and Eurasian as well. So we are oh. actually made out of these four different uh, races and we are actually very tolerant of anyone, yeah. honestly. So even if you are no white, black or whatsoever, we are, we, are, we are tolerant of that. We don't care. Like you are one, just, you are just like us. Yeah, right. I mean, just make sure you don't uh, be a nuisance to the society and usually nothing will happen here. And right. one thing I love about my country is that uh, we are very clean. Literally, we are very clean. So when I went to US, right, it's a bit different there. So I, I wouldn't comment much, yeah. So I mean, that's the observation. I mean, a very clear observation that I will see, and it's very safe. So like, I can go out in a three a.m. in the morning, and you're not, you don't even need to be afraid of getting robbed or things like that. Whereas uh, it's a bit different when I went to other countries like Barcelona. I'm being very unbiased here. It's like I have to make sure that my hands are in the pocket all the time, and to make sure that you know I don't get like. Uh, mark or something yeah so that, that that's the difference that I realized when I travel as well mm-hmm. yeah absolutely I found it really interesting so I unfortunately have not been to Singapore but I have quite a few Singaporean people um, and friends here around me and we talk a lot about you know as it just said safety and I mean I travel to 44 countries so I definitely have to come to Singapore mm. next <laughs> yes yeah you definitely have to come yeah it's a must uh, must come country yeah. for food and everything else I gotta visit you and gotta visit Steve Tan please come and so what I realized is I actually read a lot about Singapore, how they changed their approach to people living together. And what I love is when they have those big housing complexes that the government started to actually mix uh, Malay, Indian and uh, Chinese people there. So you, they cannot have a big housing complex where it's only all Chinese people or only all Malay people, but they make a conscious efforts of mixing all of these cultures together. And I love that because it makes you have neighbors of all different cultures. You make friends with all of them. And basically it it is like a conscious effort to just go outside of your normal realm. And I think that's so much needed in this world. And sometimes humans, you know, they stay in their group if they don't be pushed out of it. So I think that's a great concept in Singapore. Have you been experiencing this a lot or do you live like in maybe like a little outside area of these big complexes? No, I'm a true blue Singaporean. I grew up in Singapore. I, I, I stayed with, I have a lot of good friends that are from different races, Indian, Chinese, um, Malay, Eurasians. They are all my brothers or sisters. So like, I, 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 I love them and they are my friends. So in Singapore, everybody, I would say everybody's, uh, everybody's the same. We are a pretty tolerant society, like I said again. So you're right about that. Uh, we have the houses. We call it uh, housing estates. So like tall high-rise buildings mm-hmm. where we will stay in this public housing and we will have different races as uh, our neighbors, which is uh, pretty great as well. And I would say that public housing here is one of the best in the world. Yeah, yeah. So, I love so that. So that. that's something I'm very grateful for. Yeah, like I am right now in the public housing and um, as uh, you know, if I look out my window right now, I can actually see like the, the skyline of Singapore. 
and yeah. it's in the public housing. Yeah, that's the amazing thing about it. Yeah, I love that. All right, so let's talk a little bit about how you get started and what was your latest venture. I know you shared a little bit upfront with me that you got to work with Nas Daily, and I would love to hear about all of that. So it's not really about working with him. It's more like I'm a student of him actually. So uh, actually, I attended one of his uh, courses at Nas Academy. So that course really, really helped me a lot in producing videos as well. So I. I learned a lot about video creation because my dream is always uh, I always wanted to become a content creator as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So from the start, I think about say six to seven, eight years ago when I was sixteen. Yeah, I was really producing videos at home, trying to do you know all of those weird uh, visual effects. And I'll say a lot of influence comes from the internet. So without the internet, I wouldn't be who I am today. Because the internet is really like a gateway to the world. It's like you can literally access any information you want. Previously, it was a library. I don't read books. I don't read a lot of books, so I'm not really a book person. So the gateway is more of the internet where I can get to see and hear more information. So from there, I think one of my the videos before I met uh join NAS Academy, one of the videos that I created was actually is actually about a uh, athlete, and that video got about two million views as well. So that was shot in one day and that kind of sparked my thought it's like oh if I can do this video half a day I can go viral and so I should continue making videos like this so I continue to make and I, I made a second video and the second video got uh, featured on the Dodo which was a New York publication and it got about 5 million views as well then I was like oh my god that works and then suddenly I came, I came to a stop I didn't want to do any more videos because I was scared of one thing I had fear because I was afraid of what people would think of me if I put my face out there Right. And that's when I stopped. I just uh, stopped for one year until I joined NAS Academy and I asked uh, Argon from Project Night for if the viewer knows. So he just told me that, you know, it's fine. Just do what you just do. What you do. Everybody is going to say something. I got like 50% of haters or things like that on some of my videos. So that's what he will feedback to me. Okay. So, so what did you ask Aegon specifically about? Because I think it's like, it's a real thing that people who put especially videos out there, they are so afraid of this, you know, they get to a certain point of success and suddenly they get so afraid, like, what if I really hit it? You know, what if it's really exploding? What's going to happen? Yeah. So uh, for me, right, sometimes uh, a lot of people wants to get popular, but they don't know that, you know, being popular, it comes with a lot of... uh, Love comments, but at the same time, it comes with a lot of hate comments as well. For myself, I was very afraid because I run advertisement as well. So when you run ads, it's kind of like a catalyst, like an amplifier, especially when you put on face. People call you any sorts of name, like scammer, things like that. All sorts of uh, ridiculous remarks starts to come out. When, but I know that deep down in my heart, I, I'm, I'm doing nothing wrong. So um, I got very afraid because of how people uh, perceive my face because uh, how uh, I don't look as handsome, I don't look as good, I'm Chinese, I'm Asian, I have small eyes, all sorts of uh, thoughts start to come up in my head. And then uh, that kind of stops me from producing video. And I asked Egon, like, you know, what can I do about this? You know, I'm afraid of putting my face out there. Uh, what will people comment? Then he told me this, that, hey, Lenny, look, let them comment about your face. Your message is more important than your face. It doesn't matter. It's fine. Right. So he told me that the message is more important than anything else. So yeah. just say, uh, screw them, just do what you want yeah. and just get a message out there. For Egon, right, he has, uh, people find his accent weird. Like, 
he always tell me that you know people find my accent weird but I still post and you know people eventually like his accent because his message was uh, important you see so for me I wouldn't say that I have a lot of traction right now in terms of my video con- uh, content creation compared to like Dear Aline, Akon or Nas uh, but I would say that uh, I enjoy the process a lot I enjoy the video creation process I don't do it because I want to get viral because yeah. I think viral is just a, a byproduct of your your let's say your impactful message for example mm-hmm. if my objective was to get viral I can I mean like you can post ridiculous stuff like for example they told me one thing by the way the reason why they don't post on YouTube is sometimes because of the very clickbaity content as well. Like they will post for sex, they will post about the butt, all this kind of thing. I don't want to go in that area. I don't want to go into like the you know, top 10 things you should do, things like that, the very clickbaity stuff. I want to do something that, you know, resonates with me, who I am as a person. And right. I think that is uh, something that is about me. I really want to put out authentic messengers out there through my video content. And yeah. regardless whether there's haters or not, I know that deep down I've done nothing wrong. And I'm proud of who I am. Right. So what do you do, let's say, so those videos that were featured, for example, on Dodo, what videos were that? What type of video content? Yeah, so that video content was actually, I I, I was brainstorming like what kind of videos can I do, right? So I, I, I was thinking that I remembered that I had this contact where the she had this dog with the legs that were broken. So she need to wear like pampers and she need to be on a wheelchair. So I thought that story was quite interesting to do. And then I just uh, went to the place and I just started doing a video about the dog that had, you know, that is disabled. Mm-hmm. So that, that story is a bit different, you see. I mean, like, uh, have you heard of a dog's on, on wheelchair? That's a bit different. So I, I didn't do that video and then... the. Uh, New York publication, the Dodo just contact me and say, hey, look, I, I, we love your video. We'd like to feature your your stuff on the Dodo. And I was like, oh my God, wow. Even my, a small page of mine can get featured. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that, that's my thought. And that made me realize that, you know, you got to just try out. If, if you keep thinking that you are just a tiny speck of a dot, right, you will never make it. But if you start to position yourself as you see yourself uh, getting featured, you know, making it, you will be able to work towards it step by step. Yeah, and that's what I did. Although I'm not super up there yet, but I think that, you know, I enjoy the process. I love what I do. Yeah. Yeah. So what is it actually? What message would you like to, like, put out in the world with your videos? What is it that you would like people to know? I think I would like people to know that, you know, there is uh, hope, that's one, and uh, passion. I think there's someone, pursue a passion. If you like to do something in life, go and pursue and do whatever you like to uh, like to do. For example, if you like to be a doctor, for example, yeah, go ahead, go take a degree, go and work towards it, uh, really work on the passion. So if you like music, please go and pursue music. So there's always been this saying is that, you know, you'll be a starving artist if you pursue a passion, you know, passion can't make you money. You know, all this kind of thing, right? It's a very one-sided thing. Of course, passion cannot make you money. So you got to think of a damn way to make money, man. You got to think of a damn way. I don't care how you're going to do it. That's a lazy excuse if you tell me that, you know, passion can't make you money. Of course, passion is not going to make you any money if you don't put any hard work to it. For me, right? I love videos. I love marketing. I love stuff. I freaking work from 8 a.m. all the way until night because I love doing it. Yeah. So if you don't spend enough time on your passion, you probably don't love they're passionate enough, I would say. Right. So don't go and go and do something else and yeah. or go and discover, travel more. Yeah, for me, I travel a lot. 
I take a lot of photos. I love travel. I love taking photos. That's why I like to take photos and videos. Yeah. I love that. Do you think people sometimes don't know how to find a passion? Because I feel like sometimes people, they, they think a passion is coming to them. But I feel like that people should go and try different things and feel what they are actually passionate about as in what they feel is making them so excited that they could go over and over again to do it right so i think like the 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 notion of passion sometimes is perceived the wrong way around you know it's it's not something that comes to you and be like hey i'm your passion now <laughs> let's pick me no, up you no, know no No, so so for me, right, my initial passion was actually photography and filmmaking. So what I did was I was an avid photographer. I was taking you know, Instagram photo. I was uh, uh, doing short films. I was, doing, I was going on uh, uh, film sets, uh, like a Netflix film set, all this. And I was working my ass off uh, on the set. And uh, But I got so tired on the set. And I realized that, hey, look, maybe filmmaking as a whole isn't really my passion. I don't really like filmmaking or production set because the lifestyle isn't my thing. So mm. for me, I think passion is a discovery process. And I got a very simple formula to find your passion. If you're happy with doing something, that I mean that could be your passion. If you're happy with picking flowers, I mean that could picking flowers can be your passion. Then you go and pick flowers, understand about flowers and start a flower dictionary, for example. And you know you can become a Guinness Book of Record or something because like you are the only one doing it. Yeah, the weird person. But it's okay to be weird, right? I mean, in a society, like, you know, why should you be the same? Everyone is born different. Yeah, everyone is born different. So, like, you should be different. You shouldn't be the same. You know, go and do something. Don't because of someone told you that you have to be a medical student, then you go and do it. Which is why I respect Gary Vee a lot, Gary Vaynerchuk, because, like, he was the one who told me that, you know, if you like to pursue something, go full out on it. How you make your money is more important than how much you make. That was one sentence that I keep close to my heart until today. True that, true that. So you mentioned before that you said like already when you were 12 years old, you, you said you don't want to work for someone else, but for yourself. How did you get to this point by 12? Like not, I think not a lot of people although we entrepreneurs usually ex explore that pretty early. Um, but not a lot of people understand why you and me, for example, I, I knew that very, very early in my life that I'm surely not going to work for someone else, although I did in the beginning. Um, I went to pursue a corporate uh, career in Germany, more though to please everyone else, until I decided pleasing everyone else doesn't suit me very well. <laughs> so... So how did you get to the point of saying was like when you were 12 years old, nah, I'm not going to work for someone else? It's not yeah, so a bit of backstory is that uh, my mom worked as a restaurant supervisor. My dad worked as a cab driver. So I used to work at my mom's place and I was earning about $7 per hour, like two years as a waiter, right? And that kind of like make, makes me feel very sad because I was working so much. I was working so hard and I was earning $7. And that kind of sparked my thought. It's like, yeah, I don't want to work for someone else. I really just want to work for myself. And then uh, what happens was when I was 12, opportunity came when I was doing fundraising. And I managed to raise $1,000 for a disabled person within just, I think, a week or so. And that kind of sparked my thought. It's like, if I can raise $1,000 in a week, what makes it, uh, is it possible for me to earn $1,000 in a week? Ethically and legally. 
I think that's possible, right? And that, that comes from my thought. I started reading books. I read Tony Robbins' book. I read, I read Robert Kiyosaki, Rich Dad, Poor Dad, like I said. And then he told me that sales is important because you can make this high income skill set. So what I did was I immediately uh, went to find opportunities. And then I remembered carrying this uh, water filter stick and I knocked on doors, knocked on all the doors. And I was selling these water filter sticks for like 70 bucks. And then that was a journey and I joined a lot of multi-level marketing and, uh, before that. And, uh, you know, I emptied out my bank account. Everything left zero. My friends also left me as well because they said that, you know, I'm a crook for promoting multi-level marketing, which I don't blame them. Anyone who come to me right now with uh, products that I don't like, I might not uh, stay close to them as well. So uh, I started to do that. But I learned, it's, I think, it's like life is a different stuff. So from the network marketing experience, I learned sales, I learned prospecting, I learned networking. And that's the thing that, you know, kickstart to me on, you know, sales and marketing today. I understand more about, you know, how humans uh, react to certain sentence or stuff like that. And that, that helps me a lot as well. So, so I think that, that, that is uh, how I got started. And uh, subsequently on why I want to work for myself and not for everyone else because I want to have a high income skill set to support my family as well, my mom and my dad, so that they can retire in the future. Yeah, I love that. So when you decided to join the NAS Academy, what was your like? What was your experience going through that? Did you get to work with him together since you're in Singapore and they have their whole company moved to Singapore now, I think a year and a half ago, more or less? So I wouldn't say that I've worked with him yet. So I think Nas is pretty busy with his videos as well. But I'm very appreciative that he has taught me some of the skills, you know, video creation. You know, I've been in film school for three years. But I would say that uh, I've learned more with him in the eight weeks than the three years of my film school. Wow. So that's a testimonial. That's a testimonial for him. Yeah, I would say. Yeah, I'm, I'm more willing and glad to put it out for him. Because three years of film school teach me theory. NAS is about practical. Mm -hmm. So that's the difference, right? Between the real life working world and also learning what you have in school. School is good, it's theory and all, but when it comes to the real world, everything is a bit more different. So I would say NAS is the practitioner. He he knows what he's known. He's an expert, of course. He's the most uh, barrel guy in the uh, in the world, I would say. And that that, that is an example of uh, uh, what I, I learned from him. And hopefully one day I get to work with Argon, with uh, Project Nightfall and Nas himself, I think that would be a pleasure. Yeah, that would be awesome. Let's put it out there. Yeah, of <laughs> course. So how's the community in Singapore for entrepreneurs and business owners? Do you have like any masterminds? Do you have a like community meetups or something like this where entrepreneurs go and meet? Or how is it structured? Is there anything like this in Singapore? But I would say that uh, in terms of the entrepreneur community in Singapore, it's not, it's not very big. I think that there needs to be a huge improvement in that. It's a lot, it's very mixed up with the startup culture. And I think we have both sides. The startup culture is here. And then there's uh, like people who want to start their own business and stuff. So like, it's a two different space, I would say, unfortunately. Mm. Yeah. So I think that things can be better because I myself as a person who start my own business, I don't get mixed a lot with the startup culture. Yeah, it's a totally different yeah. space for me. I think that could be much better together so things can be further improved, I would say. Maybe I'll be the one who, the guy that you know, merge these two together. Who knows? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. So 
What what's going to come next for you in your journey? So you've already got a long way. You're only did you say 23 years old? Yeah, I'm 23 years old this year. I mean, that's uh you're very young still, so there is a lot of way to go. So what are your plans for first of all your business? Where do you want to take it? But do you also have plans to create impact outside of your business and what does it look like? Mm. My dream is that I want to live my life without worrying about finance. That's one first. That means I want to have enough passive income so that I don't have to worry about, you know, uh, waking up with finance because I want to contribute back to people. I want to really make impact to people. And uh, I want to give, uh, honestly, I want to give things for free as well. I want to really share my knowledge with everyone else. But the thing is, you do need money. I mean, this is life. You need money in a society and you need to charge for that. So uh, for me, in my business, I want to come to a point that, you know, I'm making enough recurring revenue, making enough impact uh, for my clients as well through their, uh, like for some of my clients, they're doing a lot of education as well. So I'm helping my clients in the sense that I'm indirectly impacting the students as well. That's one. And the videos as well, I want to make impactful videos so that if I can change one or two lives, that'll be great. An example would be recently I did suicide video. I was saying that, you know, I was depressed last time, things like that. And people came to message me, you know, your message mean a lot to me. And then uh, it really helped me to cope with things like that. And that, that kind of like moved me and realized that, you know, I am meant to create more content for people. Yeah. That, that, that's my, I think that's my calling. Yeah. I think yeah. that's really my calling. And further, moving forward, I am actually very interested in getting more properties. I'm very into property investment as well. So I think that's one. So I can, you know, get more passive income from my properties and then uh, do what I love, which is video and, you know, advertising. Correct. Absolutely. So talking about depression and the video that you created, how do you go about sharing things like this? Because I think a lot of people, they feel, especially now in lockdown, in we're still... Although in Asia, we've been getting away pretty well. I think just now we had numbers coming out. Thailand got away pretty well. Vietnam has done a fantastic job. I know Singapore has done a fantastic job. Taiwan has been amazing and how they reacted to the situation. So there are a lot of countries who've done a great job over here. So, But I know that still a lot of people struggle to be alone or to be maybe in a situation where they can't move like the way they want to, they're still in lockdown or they are restricted. So how do you go about sharing your story about depression and maybe being suicidal and then make it so that people resonate with you and also you maybe change their mind or maybe want to do something about their own situation? I think mental health right now is a huge stigma in Asia. I think it's not as open as the Western culture or society, if you ask me. They are more conservative. They treat it more like, uh, oh, you know, you'll get over it. Stop thinking so much. Mm. That kind of thing, you know. It's like, you know, mental thing is like, yeah, you'll get over it. Don't worry so much. You're thinking too much. I think mental health is more like, it's very important. And also, it's something that you can treat. At the same time, I think that that's for me. I think uh, treat not as in medically treat, like, you know, like give you pills and you take it, no. But in terms of like talking it out, uh, sharing with someone else, I think that area can be improved, especially in Asia. Because when I was feeling down, I I didn't have anyone to talk to. Because 
when you're feeling in that state, right, on zone, right, like that small certain zone, typically you don't have any friends or family to talk to. Otherwise, you wouldn't even feel that that way in the first place, right? Right. So, exactly. So, you can't find help within your circle. So, I think external help is important in this area as well. Yeah. So, I think more emphasis can be put on here to help out more people. So, for me, I, I got out of it, thankfully, because... Um, in Singapore, we have to serve two years of uh, army, national service, just to let you know. So I got a bit of depressed because of that as well, because we are stuck. Uh, we have to be in there. It's nothing wrong. I love my country. I, I love to serve my country. It's just that um, it's just part and parcel process that yeah. I got out of it because I finished my service and everything is better now and I'm, I'm much more happier now as well. So I realized that, you know, my experience could help out someone else. So I decided to be vulnerable, share my experience that I was depressed. And so I could perhaps help someone out that, you know, is facing through the similar struggle. And for those viewers or listeners out there who are going through a slight depression inside that or depression, just know that it's just a phase of life and it will pass by. Yeah, it's just a phase of life. You'll pass by. It can't possibly go on and on and on and on. You'll yeah. pass by just remember to to get through it step by step what are your actionable steps to get it through and have a clear vision of what's going to happen next yeah right that's what I would say yeah, not those fancy words like oh no you'll get ha- you'll get happier you'll get better uh, everything's going to be alright don't worry it's going to be fine uh, things are going to be back in normal no it's, it's not going to work that way man for anyone who is depressed you've got to work it out with a step by step strategy with a vision ahead what's going to happen next and how can you work towards it yeah so what were your steps that you took to get out of it? Because I totally agree with you. Um, I feel like mental health in Asia is seen still with this huge stigma on it, even more though than in, for example, the Western culture. I also see it in, in the black community more, like with black people, they still have this um, stigma as well because they think, or Maybe not they think, but the the stigma is like to be strong and they have to take so much on, especially now. It's definitely coming up a lot more with like the civil movement, civil rights movement um, across the world. So where did you go? What did you do? What did you Google to, you know, to find help outside of your family and friends? Because mm. I think a lot of people get stuck right there because they don't know what to do. I googled like, what do you do when you're depressed Reddit? Yeah. So these are the things that I googled for. I googled for, surprisingly, I didn't google for ways to, to end it or things like that because I feel that I wasn't strong enough to do that. But I think that the step-by-step strategy that I think the first thing is vision, very important. Where do you see yourself to be? Because if you don't even have the vision of, where you want to be in the future, you will always stay in that same area because there's no progress, there's no improvement, you see. So I think it's very important that you establish who you want to be in the next 10 years, in the next 20 years. It doesn't have to be big. It can be as simple as, you know, I want to buy that house, for example. Mm -hmm. So how can you work towards a step-by-step on uh, getting your house and how do you work towards that process? Or for example, you are in debt, you are in 100,000 debt, for example. How do you work towards that? So recently, there's this news, right, in the States, where they say that someone, a trader, uh, try out uh, Robin Hood, he's 20 years old, and he got into 700,000 debt because 
he was uh, unsure what were the buttons and he went to a margin account or things like that and he committed suicide because he didn't know what to do with that debt. But you see, if he had a vision of, you know, how can I get out of the 700,000 debt, he might ask if someone else who have told him or maybe if he has watched a video of, you know, how to get out of it, he might still be alive today. And that's the power of video as well. Yeah, I totally agree. I think we definitely need more people like you to share their stories and share, you know, their journeys. Just honestly, especially outside, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna be the one saying it, outside of just Western and white culture, just because uh, there is so much stigma and, and a lot of different other cultures. And there's not a lot of resources out there yet that I feel, um, and I do believe heavily that representation matters. So if someone, like let's just say a, a girl in, uh, in Laos, for example, she is maybe depressed in school, she doesn't know what to do with her life, and she's Googling that and only finds videos from white people, she may not resonate with them because their struggles are so different than hers. And so I really believe that we definitely need people like you to be brave and to just go out, even though the stigma is higher in maybe Asian culture um, than it is in Germany, where I come from. Although we do have <laughs> stigma around that, but it's different than it is in Asia, to be honest. So Yeah, yeah thanks for that. Mm, yeah. So I think that uh, it's important. Like I said, I think uh, viewership is not so important, but impact is more important. Yeah. So if my, I have only 13 viewers, but I can impact one life, I think that's enough. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. I don't, need, I don't need so many views. If you get millions of views, but it's, uh, you know, it's just a meme video. I think that's, that's fun, <laughs> but that's different, right? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So talking about vision, what is your vision for yourself? We talked about where you want to take your business and everything, but what's your vision for yourself where you want to be in the next 10 to 15 years? I think in the next 10 years, I aspire to be someone to have my advertising agency like VaynerMedia. One of the, I'm not sure if you know, Gary Vaynerchuk, VaynerMedia is a very well-established uh, media company mm-hmm. where they manage uh, marketing for events like Ultra Festival, all this. I, I aspire to be that on that level as well. So I'm working towards that. And it's not just about, for me, it's not just about, you know, getting a seven or eight or nine figure company because I think that revenue is just a number at the end of the day. When I hit the seven figure, I'll just be like, oh, okay, we hit the seven figure. Wow, that's awesome. So we're going to sustain it every single year. If I don't sustain it at seven figure, am I going to be unhappy? So I don't want that kind of scenario to happen to me. I just want to have a, a life where I feel that, you know, I have a more fulfillment through the work that I put out that creates impact for others. I think I'm a more of an impact person than revenue-driven uh, person as well. But of course, revenue is important at the same time. So, so that's my that's my train of thought. And the next 10 years, I, I foresee myself, sorry, it's a bit out, I foresee myself getting more properties so that I can manage enough properties to have a passive income, like I said, and just do what I want and travel around. And that's my life, yeah. And do more videos, of course. I want to be posting videos every week, yeah. Yeah. What about you as a person? Who do you have to become as a person? <sighs> who do I have to become as a person? I'm pretty satisfied with who I am right now. 
I think that things can be improved in terms of my fitness. I'm uh, trying to work out uh, every week, like three times. I have a fitness trainer as, as well. As a person, I think less agitated, less caring about others' uh, opinion. Although easy to say, but when you see a comment coming out against you, saying that you are scam or fraud or what whatsoever, when it's not you, you will feel agitated, of course. Yeah, so these are the things that I'm learning to counter as I grow up day by day, you see. Yeah, I'm 23, but I feel like 30, right? I yeah. feel like I'm a 30-year-old guy. Yeah. So, so that's, that's what I always tell everyone. Well, way to go. I think with the, the whole thing about opinions, there are always two things that I refer back to. And I think on this podcast, I have mentioned this quote about, I think about seven times already. I'm going to tell you the quote too, because I think it will really help you. Let me get it so that it's going to be the correct one. The quote is by Cooley. And I don't know if you know him. I think he is a, he's an author and a philosophy, philosophist. Well, it doesn't matter. Anyways, the quote goes like this. I am not who you think I am. I am not who I think I am. I am who I think you think I am. Okay, that's like, it feels a bit inception, but yeah. Yeah, <laughs> so it's know. a lot about perception. It's basically like you looking in the mirror and asking yourself who you are, but it's not about who you feel who you are but what you think other people think about you is true to you. So it's really crazy because it's actually so many people think, as you say, think so much about what other people think about them. And then because they cannot know what they think about you, but you make yourself the person that you believe that others think of you. So if you can detach yourself from other people's perception of you, then you can make and be the person who you really want to be. And it's, I think, yeah, it's, yeah, I think it, um, this is just so crazy. It's like when I read this quote for the first time, I think it's been like maybe three or four years ago, it, I was completely mind blown because I had to read it about 15 times and actually dissect it to understand how it works. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that... that, that it's really quite mind-blowing. I mean, the, the quote. Yeah, and the other one I want to share with you. An entire sea of water can't sink a ship unless it gets inside the ship. Similarly, the negativity of the world can't put you down unless you allow it to get inside you. Mm. It's from Goina. That's a good quote. Yeah. Oh, that's a good quote. Right? Yeah, that's a good quote. Even if everyone is negative, you you wouldn't sing unless you let the water come in. Yep. And I love yeah, that awesome. every time that I see negativity around me, I remind myself to be the chip that floats on top of it, to be able to see everything and to acknowledge it, but not to let it inside. Yeah. For me, it's like, I know that for every one person that don't like me out there, I have maybe seen eight person who will love me. Love my message as well. Yeah. So I'm totally fine with that. Yeah. yeah. So that's something that I, I'm learning to, 
to deal with right now as well. But I think I'm getting better at it day by day. Yeah. And you know, it's so, so I'm 10 years older than you are. And I so have. You don't look like 10 years older. Thank you. Don't tell anyone. <laughs> I'm serious. I'm serious. Yeah, yeah, so I'm turning 34 this year. And I've learned a lot about what people say about you. And here's the, here's the harsh truth about this, right? So if people don't love your face and they make hate comments about your face, what it actually says is that they don't love themselves. And yeah. they have to they have to be so hateful to someone else to make themselves feel better. And I think that's actually, if you can, if you cannot let this comment hurt yourself, but see it as it is, because again, we talk about this, I think who you think I am and still this whole concept of perception, right? The whole world works on perception and reflection, right? So mm. the way we are talking right now is, you see me, I see you, we go back and forth, but we share ideas and we basically bounce them back like a ping pong ball, right? Back and forth. Mm. But if I hold up a mirror now and you see yourself, then you are basically talking back to a whole different version mm. of yourself, basically, right? Does it make sense somehow? Yes. What yes, I'm saying? Yes, yes. Uh, good. Yes. <laughs> And so the, the thing is, I think that people sometimes forget that what they say is just, is nothing new. Everything that they say is, is something that they've been taken in as well. So mm. to say something, they must have either heard it or seen it or modeled it or have been taught it or, mm. or anything like this, right? We just don't, we don't create something new in our minds. Mm necessarily we regurgitate we repurpose we mix up things but our minds mm. don't just come up with new things right like i'm mm. not we mix green and yellow and we make blue out of it right but we don't just mm. get up with magenta or, or flamingo pink or whatever if we've right, never right, seen right. it before so yes, what i'm yes. trying to say is people who come on these videos or people who share, even those keyboard warriors, right now on the internet, yeah. they're really famous or really, you know, they have a big platform just to write all of these hate comments or whatever. I feel like that's for them just a way to get rid of their own self-hate. Yep, yeah, yep. Yeah, and protect it on someone else. Yeah, so so I, I do have that, that kind of comment. And usually the comments, right, interesting fact, you won't get hurt from public comments usually. The comments usually come from people around you. That's my observation. Wow, isn't yeah. that insane too? Yeah, it's, I always thought that the comments are going to come from public. And here's the thing, if public say anything about me, you know, you're ugly, you're whatever, I'm fine, just block or whatever, or just hide, or just don't care about it. But here's the hard truth is that when you start to become, uh, when you start to do more things, so you start to come out on your own for any business out there, you're going to get hate from your people that are close to you. You're supposed to friends, you're supposed friends. Some of them will start to say, hey, look, uh, what are you doing? Your video sucks. You shouldn't put out your face out there. So some of you might face this issue. So like me, 
uh, what I what happened was that you know my school, some of my friends say that you know I'm in this marketing hoo-ha uh, and I'm doing a scam things like that. So there are things that people will say about me, but I look back in the mirror and I ask myself, am I doing anything wrong? And the answer is no. So I don't have anything to feel bad about. So I'm correct, and they are wrong for saying that. Do you think? Do you know the analogy of the crabs in the bucket? No. So there is basically, and it's not even an analogy, it's actually something that, that is true. If you go to the ocean and you, you fish crabs, right? The, we have blue crabs here in, the, in, in Asia, for example. You put them in the bucket and one crab tries to get out on the wall and is about to jump out. The other crabs will hang on their legs and pull them back in. They oh, don't okay. want this crab to leave. And mm. and that's the same as humans. We are in this crap bucket. The people closest to us, they are afraid for us out of worries or whatever. The way they show that is sometimes really strange, like telling you you're ugly. I don't know what, like, you could you could say, like, you know, you could be nicer, but no, they're just humans. So they're telling us we're ugly or we are scammers or whatever, But I feel like there, a lot of times it's either because they don't want you to crow because then they would have to look in the mirror and be like, what about me? Now I'm down here and Lenny is up there. Like if Lenny can go up there, do I have to also put in more effort and work? And, and why am I this, this crap crawling in the bucket? And why did Lenny get out there? Yeah, and then uh, what happened, you know, they'll start to say like, oh, this guy got easy, uh, this guy uh, didn't do in work or things like that. So these are the things that they will start to uh, associate with to get rid of that uh, thing to make them feel better. Yeah, yeah. so that, that is what I I think that uh, is happening to them. Or even, I would say that not everybody chase for, you know, achievement or results. So they might not want to be there They are not jealous. This is a new perspective, by the way. A lot of people think that they are jealous. I, I don't think they are jealous. But what happens is that they think that it's fun to put people down. If you realize some people, like trolls, these are called trolls. They don't want people, they don't want the achievement. They're just lazy. They just don't do their stuff. They, but they like to put people down. And the trolls can be your good friends. Yeah. And you'll feel hurt from it. Like, why are my good friends doing this to me? Right. They don't want the achievement, but they're putting me down. So some people find fun in putting others down. Think about that. I think, yeah, maybe it's not, maybe it's not only fun, but maybe it's they don't want to achieve these big things because it's too much hard work. It's too much effort they need to put in. It's too many challenges, but they also don't want you to get there. Yeah. Because then right. they feel bad about themselves again. And then they, they feel like they're, they're not good enough and they don't want to feel this way. So they don't want you to grow because then they would yeah. feel bad about themselves again, you know? So yeah, absolutely. Wow. Correct. Crazy Correct. world. Yeah. For sure, man. For sure. So you can just sneak out of the bucket when everyone's sleeping. That's a good concept. I might turn it into video. I just edit into my video list as well. Yeah, absolutely. You should, you should. Yeah. I think a lot of people, they, A lot of people who receive so much hate, they don't take the time to dissect why people do that or, 
or where it's coming from because they take it so personally. I've taken a lot of things personally when I should never have to because it's not about me, right? Mm, and, sorry, sorry. and when people say to you, for example, you're ugly, it's not about you. You're not ugly. You're very handsome. But people probably don't see that and don't want to see it. They don't even try. Yeah, 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 absolutely. As you just say, all they want is to get away from working hard and getting through these challenges, but they also don't want you to grow. So the yeah. easiest way is to attack you, you know? All right, correct, absolutely. Wow. I agree with that. Humans, humans, we all need to be a little bit <laughs> nicer. Yeah, man. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I agree with uh, what you say as well. Crazy. All right. Lenny, I have two more questions for you before we wrap it up. And I'm sure, asking no these for every guest. So the first one is, what does efficiency mean to you? I think being, being efficient is really being productive with your work, being able to understand like what is the top priority. So for me, being efficient is loving what you do. That's, that's, that's my version. Yeah, I might be wrong with that. Because if you love what you do, right, you're efficient in the things that you eventually you'll be efficient in what you do. Yeah. I, I, I'm, I'm kind of an ambassador of love what you do and you'll be good at everything. Yeah. Because you just keep putting in hard work, you just keep putting in hours. Yep. I love it. Yeah. So there's so no I right or that, wrong for it. That's as simple as that. Yeah. I, I think that's, that's just efficiency for me. Yeah. Good. I love it. Last question before we wrap it up. If you had to push the reset button. So everything's yep. everything is wiped out, but you keep the knowledge that you have today. Which are the three things that you would do over mm. and over again to get back to success? Three knowledge and skill set, right? The first one will be uh, copywriting. Mm. Second one will be sales. And third one will be property investing. Yeah, this true. Copywriting, sales, property investing. Yeah, this true. This is the things that are wonderful. And I that's love all. it. Yeah. And that's, Lenny, all. that's all I need. Thank you so much for coming on the show. It was amazing to have you. It was amazing thank to you, get Monique. Thank you. to know you and your story. And please share with everyone where people can find you and what they can find there. So you can find me on my Instagram as well. It's at GCLenny. It's uh, at GC Lenny and on my Facebook you can search my name Lenny Leong L-E-N-N-E-Y Leong and that's it I'm active on both IG and Facebook so you can see me there Perfect and as you know guys and girls and everyone who listens to us we link it down below in the show notes don't forget to subscribe and you should also rate and review our podcast because we may or may not start to pick people and read their reviews and send you some goodies over if you do so, but only if you do though. So you may as well start rate and review our show because we want to have people listen to us and explore amazing stories like Lenny's. So again, go to Efficiency on Demand on Apple Podcast, leave a five-star review for us. Anything below, we are not taking. <laughs> that's for sure well thanks for listening in and thank you Lenny again for being here and sharing everything with us 
You've been listening to Efficiency On Demand. On Demand. We hope you've learned that you too can unlock your ultimate potential, how to control your time, create some clarity in your crazy life, and how to live life limitless. If you haven't already, make sure to subscribe to the podcast and please follow on Instagram at the Monique Lindner. We'll see you next time on Efficiency On Demand with Monique. Remember to slow down to speed up.